0: The burden of Egypt, behold, the Lord rideth upon a swift cloud. We're in Isaiah 19. And shall come into Egypt, and the idols of Egypt shall be moved. at His presence in the heart of Egypt shall melt in the midst of it. Verse 2. And I will set the Egyptians against the Egyptians, and they shall fight everyone against his brother and everyone against his neighbor, city against city and kingdom... Against kingdom, and the spirit of Egypt shall fail in the midst thereof, and I will destroy the counsel thereof, and they shall seek to the idols, and to the charmers, and to them that have familiar spirits, and to the wizards. And the Egyptians will I give over into the hand of a cruel lord, and a fierce king shall rule over them, saith the Lord, the Lord of hosts. Go to Ephesians six. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now let's look real quickly at Colossians 2.18. There quickly, Colossians 2.18. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Acts fifteen twenty. Hold your place in Colossians. You might hold your place in all those spots if you can. Stick a pen in it, an extra pen or something. Um, Acts 15 and verse 20. This is where they gave, James gives his sentence, verse 19, um, and he says in verse 20, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Now, what do these verses have in common? In Colossians 2.18, it says, Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he hath not seen. Vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. Now this comes after Paul's great preaching on the on Jesus Christ in chapter 1. And then in chapter 2 he tells them that in Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. He says in verse 8 Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him that is in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now Jesus Christ is being set here by Paul by inspiration of the Holy Spirit to be head over all things to the church. He's being preached and exalted to be the head. And here Paul is warning the church lest they depart from the faith, lest they turn aside after vain janglings, lest they turn aside after the law, lest they be beguiled with enticing words. Then he says down here that Jesus Christ... When we were dead in sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Then we studied that in detail. He says in verse 15, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now, a lot of what we just read, the scriptures that we just looked at, have to deal with principalities, and they have to do with powers, which Christ spoiled, and he triumphed over them openly. He made a show of them, the Bible says openly, triumphing over them in it. Now we're going to look real quickly and zoom in here on verse 18 about being beguiled of your reward in a voluntary humility, a worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. And that would be the man who's doing the beguiling. Now we're going to look at this today. And this deals, Paul's already dealt with being beguiled by by the... By religion, basically. Now he's going to be talking about being beguiled by principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, and spiritual wickedness in high places. Now there is a direct correlation to that and what we find in Isaiah chapter 19. Now Egypt is a type of the world. Egypt, all through the Bible, typifies the world. And um, Pharaoh typifies Satan throughout the world. Here's the Egyptians Satan's power over the world. Here's the Egyptians, and the spirit of Egypt shall fail. Chapter 19 and verse 3 of Isaiah and I will destroy the council thereof and we're living in a time where we're seeing the whole world, the spirit of the whole world is failing and God is destroying the council thereof. The European Union is a constant nightmare of crashes. All, the UN is an embarrassment to humanity in general. It's a complete gaff. The whole thing is a mess. All they do is sit around and hate on the Jews and make excuses and pass money under the table. It's a Seed of corruption, a seedbed of corruption. NATO, everything, everything this world tries to do. In America, the country that we're from, the White House is in shambles. Our nation, the spirit of our nation, is failing. We saw what happened whenever COVID came in, a little sickness that wasn't even as bad as sicknesses we already have. Listen to me, COVID was nothing like AIDS. More people have died of AIDS than COVID, and they haven't reacted to AIDS with half of the intensity that they reacted to COVID. The heart, the spirit of America is failing, and the council is being destroyed by Almighty God. And instead of turning to God, what have we been doing? This exactly what God said Egypt would do, and Egypt is a type of the world preceded the world in it, but the rest of the world is following suit. And it says here, and I will destroy the counsel thereof, and they shall seek to the idols, number one, to the charmers, number two, to them that have familiar spirits, number three, and to the wizards, number four. Now, these things line up directly with Ephesians six twelve. It says that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, number one. Against powers, number two. Against the rulers of the darkness of this world, number three. And against spiritual wickedness in high places, number four. Now, the number four in the Bible often represents the world. The Bible talks about the four corners of the earth. Obviously, God's not saying that the earth is a box or that it's a square, but He's using it in types. There are four points on the compass, north, south, east, and west. God talks about the number four in regards to the world very often. So the world is given and is understood to be typified in numbers by the number four. And here there are four things that the Egyptians will turn to. They will turn to idols, number one. Number two, to charmers. Number three, to familiar spirits. Number four, to wizards. We're we're warned in Ephesians 6 that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against four things, principalities, powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. In Acts 15, there were four rules that were given to the Gentile believers, the church of the Gentiles, which is the church that is bought with the blood of Jesus Christ and separated out from amongst all the people of the world. And there were only four things given to them. Ten commandments given to the Jews, but four commandments given to the Gentile church. By the way, these commandments are still in effect. This will blow most people's theology out of the water. Most people just read right over this, and they and they will actually explain this away. I don't think we'll even get to that today. We'll have to get to that another day, but we'll hit it in Colossians, Lord willing, but people just blow right through these four commandments given to the Gentile church, and he says that they wrote unto them that they abstain from number one pollutions of idols, number two from fornication, number three from things strangled, and number four from blood. Now, four things again, and guess what? They line up in perfect order. This is the third place that that I've brought up, and third out of four. I'm going to bring to you four scripture places with four things that are given to the people of the world that is typified by the number four. Coincidence? Well, you tell me. So, we have then in Colossians, so we have Isaiah 19 where we have idols, charmers, familiar spirits, wizards, Colossians, we have voluntary humility, worshiping of angels, number two, intruding into the things which he hath not seen, number three, and vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, number four. Ephesians has one, principalities, two, powers, three, rulers of the darkness of this world, four, spiritual wickedness in the high places. You think God is trying to show us something? I do. I think there's something here. I never really saw it before today, but I believe the Lord has helped me, and He's shown me through His Word, and we're going to try and look at this and get this today. Now, the principalities relate to the idols of Acts 15 that we're to abstain from. They relate to the idols in Isaiah 19, and they relate to voluntary humility, and we'll look at that in detail Here in a minute. Before we get there, I just want to present to you today that in the book of Acts, we have a sorcerer. His name was Simon. Now, this Simon the sorcerer tried to buy the gifts of the Holy Spirit from the apostles and he was rebuked. We're going to look at that. We have another sorcerer named Elamis in the Bible, and um, he was perverting the right ways of the Lord. Isaiah 19 verse 14 says, the Lord hath mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof, and they have caused Egypt to err in every work thereof, as a drunken man staggereth in his vomit. And I want to tell you today, our nation has been mingled with a perverse spirit, and the church. The Gentile church, and again, they are not all Israel who are Israel, and they are not all of Christ who name the name of Christ. So when I say this, please bear with me. There are wheat and there are tares in the same field. Jesus said, do not root up the tares lest you root up the wheat with them. Every church has at least one Judas in it. Every church has at least one Judas in it. And a lot of churches in our day and age are pastored by Judas. Now, these four things that we get, they seek to the idols, and to the charmers, into the them that have familiar spirits, into the wizards, these are the means by which the devil s- spreads the perverse spirit throughout his churches today we have false religions false prophets and teachers from all kinds of cults we have demoniacs and leadership all the way up to the white house and i'm not speaking of evil of dignitaries i'm speaking evil of the evil behind the dignitaries and we have demoniacs in the white house today who are led by evil spirits, by a perverse spirit. And I'll respect their position of authority in as much as I can, where they're not totally breaking the laws of our land. It's a whole other rabbit. We're not going to chase that rabbit today. False apostles we have today, false cults all over the nation, a perverse spirit. Now the church has brought in the world. The church has brought Egypt In to the church. And as such the church has become a partaker of Egypt's curses. And with that we have been partakers as the Gentile church in general. Not the bride of Christ. The perfect pure without spot without wrinkle. Blood bought born again believing remnant of saved believers amongst the churches. That are little seed churches in a sense. If you'll forgive me for maybe using that analogy. There's a church and there's a church. And the church has brought in the world. They brought Egypt into the church and partaken of Egypt's pleasures. They've partaken of Egypt's idols. They've partaken of Egypt's charmers. They've partaken of Egypt's familiar spirits. And they've partaken of Egypt's wizards. We have doctrinal high places. We have prosperity gospels, self-help stuff, spiritual gurus, lying apostles, lying signs, lying wonders. And get this, in Colossians, he says, in verse 19, And not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. You want to be able to tell Christ's church from any other church. Here's how. The head must be Christ. If ye love me, said Christ, keep my commandments. If any man say I know him and keep not his commandments, he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. If you want to be able to differentiate between Christ's church and the false church, the tear church and the wheat church, you have to look for Christ and you have to know Christ and you have to be a follower of Christ and you have to know and keep his commandments. And when you are in such a state, you will be able to tell the difference because the false church does not recognize Christ as the head. Oh, they say he's the head. But in reality, he's the tail of their church. As far as they're concerned. Now, he'll be the tail of no one and no organization. But they treat him... As the tale now in the book of Acts, they dealt with sorcerers. In the Old Testament, they dealt with sorcerers. Old Saul went to the witch at Endor. There have been witches. There were witches banned in the Old Testament. God said, "Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live." He said, "Not to bring in the wizardry and the idolatry and the witchcraft of the Canaanites into their houses." He said, "Don't even you bring in He "Don't even bring in the pictures of their stuff into your house." And boy, would that preach. But we're not there right now. If you can't make application there, I don't know why you're even listening. You need to just get your Bible out and read it and get some help from God. I can't help you. If you won't listen to the Bible, I can't help you. All I've got is the Bible. That's it. It's all I need. Jesus Christ, by God's grace, is my head. He's that from which I get nourishment. That's, he is the one that ministers to me and through me. He's the one that knits me together with other believers. He's the one that increases me and that increases every other believer that is truly his believer. Lord, help us today. So this perverse spirit. Now, old Saul, he was a believer. He went to church. He prayed. He had the Holy Spirit come on him and he prophesied when he was anointed king. But old Saul, you see, he was rebellious. He was stubborn. He didn't hold the head. He didn't hold the head, Jesus Christ, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. Old Saul was stubborn. He was rebellious. You can look that up later. First Samuel 15, 23. Samuel told him that rebellion is as witchcraft and stubbornness is as idolatry. But old Saul, he played the religious part. He talked like he loved God. He, had, he went to the temple. He offered sacrifices. He went for the Urim and the Thummim and the ephod and the priests. And the same Saul in, that invoked God's judgment and blessings killed the priests at Nob, murdered them while talking right and speaking biblical truths. The same Saul that said that he believed in God and invoked the blessings and judgments of God on David, hunted David to kill him while he was doing it. The Saul that prophesied that David would be king, prophesied it while he was on the hunt to destroy and kill David and to cause the promises of God to be of no effect. Rebellion is as witchcraft. Stubbornness is as idolatry. And by the way, that witchcraft deals into the charmers and the worshiping of angels. Stubbornness, the idolatry, the idols, and the voluntary humility. Bringing yourself under bondage to one who is not your Lord. When you bow the knee to an idol, you are voluntarily humbling yourself before someone that has no right. Right. To ask you to humble himself because Jesus Christ, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And Christ alone deserves our worship, and Christ alone deserves our fealty. Simon in Acts chapter 8 was in the gall of bitterness and the bonds of iniquity. He tried to buy the Holy Ghost. He had envy and pride, bitterness. He was a wizard, a sorcerer. He was vainly puffed up with his fleshly mind. They of long time had thought him to be something special in Samaria, but he was in the bonds of iniquity, the Bible says, full of familiar spirits, intruding into things which he hath not seen. He didn't even understand what he was seeing, but he wanted it. And he wanted to dabble with the power of God that he did not even begin to understand biblically. His lust was after the power, not the spirit that brought the power. Listen, this is truth today. This is truth today from God's word. It'll help you if you'll let it help you. In Acts 13, Elamus the sorcerer withstood Paul. And Paul told him, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Elamus the sorcerer was a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus, son of Jesus. And he was a Jew. And he was preaching opposite of the gospel that Paul was preaching, withstanding the gospel. And guess what? Paul said, "Oh, thou child of the devil, etc. Look it up in Acts 13 and read it. We'll look at it real quick. That's a rabbit we need to run. Acts 13 and verse 9. I want you to see this. I want you to think for a second. What would you think if you saw these two men preaching to the deputy? Three men involved here. Number one is Paul, the middle guy is the deputy. The other one's Elamis. And you can't quite hear what they're saying, but you can see there's something big going on and you're watching. And this is what happens. It says here, starting in verse um, 7. This deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimus the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Now if you're standing in the group, looking over there at the deputy, watching what's happening, and you saw that you would think you had two wizards on your hands what would you think this one guy just cursed the man and he went blind that looks like sorcery let me tell you something the difference between sorcery and the power of god is god's holiness It is only that God Almighty has the right. He has the power. He has the authority. Christ is the head over all things to the church. And anything that happens out from under the headship and the authority of Jesus Christ, no matter how powerful it is, no matter how much you may like it, it's sorcery. The only difference between the power of God and the power of the devil is, The only difference between it is perversion and holiness. Right and wrong. It's the difference between black and white. And when we depart from Christ as the head in our churches, we enter into a realm of sorcery. And we open ourselves up to wizardry and witchcraft. And it has overrun the Gentile church of the world. Today... We have wizards and pulpits and witches preaching right behind them all over this land. You think I've gone too far? Not one step. It's right out of the Bible. Let's keep reading it and let's see what else there is here. In Acts chapter 16, just a couple pages over, Acts chapter 16, there was a certain damsel. Look at this woman preacher in the Bible. All you that want to quote on women preachers and try and point out women preachers, here's one for you. Acts chapter 16 Verse 16 through 18. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought our masters much gain by sooth, saying, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Boy, won't that get you going. That's pretty Listen, if that happened in your average church in America today, people would be shouting Glory. They'd be shouting hallelujah. They'd want to light up the old rock and roll band and sing a few praise choruses because the spirit is moving in the midst. Look what Paul did. It says here, and this did she many days, but Paul being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. God is still God. The devil is still the devil. And the battle isn't over. Just like before Christ, they dealt with this stuff. During Christ's time, they dealt with this stuff. Christ dealt with demoniacs. He dealt with these people. And after Christ's time, in the book of Acts, they also dealt with this stuff. The battle is not over. Now, let's look at these four passages of Scripture real quickly. We have principalities. In Ephesians 6, idols in Acts 15 that we're told to abstain from. Egypt will seek after idols in Isaiah 19. And Colossians 2.18 says that to beware lest we be spoiled, lest we be beguiled through voluntary humility. Now the spiritual power behind the idols are the principalities, the little g-gods, the gods of this world, demons, fallen angels. Who stand behind the idols. And this is why we're told to abstain from idols. All you that would take Paul's words, and we'll hit this better someday, where he says that the meat offered an idol to sacrifice to idols is nothing, and an idol is nothing, and yada yada. Read the whole text. It does not negate what the apostles said to us to abstain from idols. Now We'll get it, Lord willing. We'll get to there. So we're told to abstain from idols. Egypt will seek to idols. They they will be servants to idols. The manifestation of the spiritual principality is an idol. The servants of those that seek to it seek to the idol. So the idol is what people seek to. It's the front put on. The manifestation and the front that people serve. And finally, the means of service to that idol is voluntary humility. The way that you're beguiled, the way Satan wants to beguile you, is to bring you under the authority of some kind of manifestation, even if it's a physical manifestation, that is not under the headship and authority of Christ. Now, idols usually would be wood and stone, but we have our own idols. We have idols of ivory and marble statues of the reformers. And we have idols in our seminaries, in our theological institutions of men who have gone before who have had opinions. And those men's opinions have now become more important and of greater weight and great authority than the very word of God. And behind those idols are principalities. The principalities are fallen angels. You have people that worship John Calvin, and they call themselves Calvinists. Listen to me. Shut me off if you have to, but by, for Christ's sake, listen and look at the word of God and see if this is not true. We have the idols of men's religion. Any group that names themselves after a man is on their way to idolatry. Any group. You listen to me. I love the Mennonites, and I respect a lot of what they do. But you know why they're named Mennonites? Because of Menno Simmons. And they're named after a man. And the weight of that man's teaching has become for some of them more important and more revered than the word of God. And they will break fellowship with people who do not follow their man. Even if those people follow Christ. It's idolatry. You've been brought under a voluntary humility. They might be Calvinists. They might be Baptists. Get this. How about your denominational headquarters? You put more weight in what they say at HQ than you do about the word of God. And if word comes down from the top to stop preaching something or to pervert the Bible, you're going to do it. You're going to bow down on your knees before the idols of your denomination. We have seminaries. Oh, don't mess with my seminary. We have theological ideas and strongholds. If you go to this seminary, you've got to preach along these lines. If you stop, they'll stop associating with you. They might even pull your degree. You'll lose their recommendation. Probably won't be able to get a job. It's an idol. You've been brought under the authority through voluntary humility. They had no right to ask you to preach their doctrine. But they asked you And for a little scrap of paper that wouldn't even make good toilet paper, that has your little name on it, that you framed up in your office wall, you're willing to compromise on the Word of God. It's an idol. Get it down, do yourself a favor, burn it. Burn that stinking degree. Burn that piece of paper and get back to the Bible. God help me today. Your elders, your presbytery rules, approval of men. Behind the idol is a principality. Behind denominational headquarters. Behind the reformer that you worship. You would rather stick to, you'll be more loyal. You will die loyal to the reformer that lived 400 years ago. But you will not stand loyal for Christ today. It's an idol. And behind that idol is a principality. And half the time, those old reformers, if they were here today, they'd half slap you silly. Because they wouldn't want you to worship them. They would say, follow Christ, if they were worth anything at all. And many of them were. But you've turned them into an idol. And you worship your fathers and the traditions of your fathers. And you do not worship Christ. You're not willing to stand on the word of God. Help us, Lord, today. We're gonna to get some things here. Powers. First in Ephesians is principalities, then comes powers. Now the powers line up directly with Acts fifteen twenty in fornication, the second one in Acts fifteen twenty. And that lines up with Isaiah nineteen. Egypt will seek after charmers, and they will in Colossians two eighteen beguile you through worshiping of angels. Now, the idea behind this, these powers, these are things that you feel. Now, the powers come from principalities. They come from devils. They come from the enemy. But what the devil does and what he does well is he inflames your flesh. The devil is able to give you all kinds of emotions. He can give you depression. He can give you rage. He can give you a feeling of elation. He can give you emotional ecstasy. The devil's got all kinds of candy in his candy shop to offer you. And most people will take it and they'll depart from the faith. So here the devil offers powers. Fornication is one of the strongest ways that people come under the power of emotion fornication and is the absolute epitome of the inflamed flesh. The flesh on fire fornicates. Now, These powers offering their candy include the prosperity gospel. They talk about gifts of the Holy Ghost, manifestations of the Spirit, signs and wonders. They'll bring you under foolish vows, which would also, those vows you watch out for voluntary humility with those. They bring psychology and they tickle your mind with psychological candy, self-help, all these steps to success. They bring in their contemporary music. And what it does is it inflames the flesh, sensuality. The Bible says in James, this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. So the devil likes to work in sensuality. He likes to inflame your flesh and he uses your soul to do it. There is spiritual fornication and there is physical fornication. And these charmers use these to beguile people. Now the powers are satanic. Fornication is the expression, the manifestation of the worship of the powers. Charmers are those that that the devil uses to disseminate fornication and disseminate the power of hell through that. And worshiping of angels is the means by which the charmers bring you to fornication under the power of Satan. Now these charmers, the worshiping of angels, i got to kick this rabbit a little bit. This show came out years ago about unseen angels. And you had all these angels doing good works. And boy, did that just light off the spiritual people of America the so-called spiritual, that show went like wildfire. And it's exactly what I'm talking about right here. This worshiping of angels, these angels that give you these feelings, these hoopty-doop highs, these whoopty-ways, all this kind of stuff. Now, emotions are good, and it's good to shout glory. It's good to shout hosanna. It's good to praise the Lord. It's good to raise your hand and worship if it's done under the headship and authority of Christ. Remember, the way that we distinguish between satanic sorcery and the power of the Holy Spirit is by the headship of Christ. That which is under Christ is of the Holy Spirit. That which is not under Christ is of the devil. I don't care who's doing it and what they're saying and how accurate it sounds if they are not under the authority of Christ and His Word. They are operating in satanic sorcery. Now, men and women all across America behave licentiously. They expose their bodies, adulterate, fornicate, wipe their mouths and say, I have done no wrong like the whore of Proverbs. The wicked woman of Proverbs 7 said, I have peace offerings with me. This day have I paid my vows. This day have I paid my vows. You watch out for these vow people. You watch out. You watch out. Ecclesiastes says, neither suffer your mouth to make your lips to make you sin when you foolish and utter, utter a foolish vow before the Lord. Go look it up. Look up vows in the Bible. Look at what come from, came from them. There are only a few vows that are actually holy vows, and those ones are through the word of God, and therefore they're under the headship of Christ. They have their vows, they have their religiosity, they have their signs, their wonders, their gifts, their manifestations, their prosperity gospel, and all laced throughout it. There's fornication and uncleanness and immodesty and nakedness and pornography. Watch porn between the services, live like hell except at church, soulish lust. After stage performers who are performing in the name of Jesus, will they rub all over their guitars and they act like sex icons in the house of God and women and men stand around raising their hands and wagging their hips like they're in a mosh pit. Will they worship performers in the name of Jesus Christ? It is sorcery. They are charmers, and they have charmed you, church. Gentile church, they have charmed you. Number three, rulers of darkness, rulers of the darkness of this world. In Ephesians, and this correlates with things strangled. In Acts 15, there's more here than I've been able to dig out today. There's a whole lot there that things strangled Isaiah 19 says that Egypt thirdly will search after familiar spirits. Colossians 2:18 says intruding they'll be beguiled. You will be beguiled by men who intrude into things into things which he hath not seen, intruding. Now King Uzziah in the Old Testament, he wanted to be all spiritual and holy, so he tried to go into the holiest of holies to offer a sacrifice. He was one of the best kings Israel ever had, probably the best king Reigned over 50 years. Did powerful, mighty deeds. You don't hear much about him because of what he did in the holiest of holies. And God struck him with leprosy. There's some things that God has reserved for himself that no man has the right to meddle with. These rulers of the darkness of this world demonic spirits who have been given authority and power by Satan to give to men the power to wield spiritual influence into dark sayings and dark sentences and demonic occultic influences. Now, these rulers of the darkness of this world deal in things strangled things that have had the life choked out of them they deal in familiar spirits and they that's the manifestation or the manifestation is things that are strangled a spirituality that's been strangled a christian that's been strangled the servant the servant of these rulers of the darkness of this world are, are familiar spirits this is the means by which the devil disseminates the ruler, the influence of the rulers of the darkness of this world. And it's through familiar spirits inhabiting people, moving into people. A lot of times in the same family, moving down from generation to generation. And the means of control that the devil uses... To keep control over people in this area is the intrusion into things which he hath not seen. The devil holds out to you spiritual mysteries that are not yours to meddle with. Deep spiritual things that the Bible may allude to, but does not give us clear doctrine on. These are things that belong to God. Things that men have no right to meddle with. These will be spiritual gurus, spiritual guides. They'll teach prayer language classes. They're occult teachers blending the Bible with occult teachings. It is progressive Christianity. Mysticism, ritualism, unbiblical spiritual traditions will come in with this. Yoga, martial arts, Eastern medicine, chakra, karma, all this junk. All deals in this darkness of this world. The mind-altering herbs and oils and drugs. And I'm convinced cannabis is one of them. And you can shut me off if you want to. You want to go and deal with that stinking weed? You're dealing with the rulers of the darkness of this world. And it brings blindness. Absolute blindness. You're intruding into things which you have not seen. Now, blindness... Blind followers of these rulers of darkness grope along after spiritual elite. They pick out their spiritual leader, who they think's got it all figured out, and they follow them blindly. They pray to saints like the Orthodox, the Coptic, and the Catholic. Come on. They pray to saints, to icons, little pictures of their forefathers, which is nothing but Confucianism, ancestor worship. Right in the Catholic Church. Their followers are kept in darkness. And this is how. Whenever they're presented with. That's not in the Bible. What you're not doing is not in the Bible. They say what's wrong with it. The Bible doesn't say. They've they've moved into areas. They have not seen. They've moved into a realm of spiritual darkness. They're trusting blind guides. And they're being led astray. After the error of the wicked. They have intruded into places God has not given them. And because they don't see, they assume it's good. Last time I checked, if you don't see, you ought to stop moving. When the lights go out, you ought to stop. If you keep running full speed, you're going to find out why you should have stopped. Who here's figured that one out? If you don't see it, it's not a place for you to be. If the Bible doesn't tell you how to deal with it, you've entered into an area of darkness. Get back to the Bible. It shouldn't be any more clear. God deals in light. Satan deals in darkness. The rulers of the darkness of this world. If you're in this, you are dabbling on the edge of hell, but you're too blind to see it because you're trusting false guides worshiping of angels in your feelings fill your house with the entertainment and the filth of the world because the bible doesn't say i can't smoke pot the bible doesn't say i can't do this the bible doesn't say i can't do that well it's not really witchcraft it's just a movie full of witches I don't really see anything wrong with it. I don't really see the danger in it. I don't think it has any effect on me. You are intruding into things you have not seen. And you are being beguiled. And you're following false guides. And you are going to be beguiled of your reward. Now this this in in Colossians is to Christians. And God says to Christians, if any man's work be burned, he shall suffer loss. Nevertheless, his soul shall be saved. And I probably messed that verse up. Something like that. Yet so as it were by fire, you're going to lose your reward if you don't get out of that mess. And the reward may be your own family who's lost and dead in trespasses and sins, who's following you. And you may be the servant of the rulers of the darkness of this world that is serving up things strangled to your family and feeding them on the filth of the world. And you have intruded into things that you have not seen. And you're vainly puffed up next step by your fleshly mind if you continue it. Now watch out here. This gets really thick. You think I'm off the deep end. Get ready. Ready to jump, here we go but the Bible is good and I'll go off the deep end with God as long as it's in the Bible I'm in, so help me God spiritual wickedness in high places is the fourth part of Ephesians 6 we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places in Acts we're told to abstain from idols fornication, things strangled and fourthly blood Isaiah 19, Egypt will seek to idols, charmers, familiar spirits, and wizards. Colossians 2:18, Beware lest any man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and a worshipping of angels, intruding into things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So this final one, the spiritual wickedness in high places, deals in the manifestation of it is blood. The manifestation of the spiritual wickedness is blood. Not the blood of Christ, it's other blood. The um, servant of spiritual wickedness in high places is a wizard. A wizard, and the female version a witch. Colossians 2.18, these are vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So this is the means of control. Satan feeds a wizard, a witch, a vanity of the mind. They get built up, puffed up. This is how Satan controls them. They're puffed up in their fleshly mind. They think by revelation and by spiritual power that they see Satan using them through, that they are some kind of superhuman, super individual, that they are a class above everybody else, and that everyone should basically bow to them. And this vein of puffing up of the mind is how Satan controls them. The reality is they are nothing but servants of the blood, of the false blood, of the blood that God will require and their servants of spiritual wickedness in high places. The manifestation is blood, their servants of the spiritual wickedness in high places. Now this blood that we're to abstain from, in Acts fifteen twenty, God said, the life is in the blood and wizards are intensely interested in blood. Witches and wizards are very interested in blood. You go back to the Incas, who would offer human sacrifices and they would cut the hearts out of their victims on the top of their towers in their high places and they would hold the bleeding hearts up before the sun and let the blood run down their arms. Think about the prophets of Baal who would cut themselves with knives and lancets until the blood flowed out upon them and their bloody orgies were a thing of fame throughout the world. The sickness, the wickedness, the Now, how does wizardry get into the churches? How does wizardry get into the churches? Now, there's sorcery in the church today. If you don't believe that, I'm sorry for you. You've got your head in the sand, or you might be completely duped by a wizard. Maybe your pastor is a wizard today, maybe your pastor is a witch. If it's a woman pastor, there's a good chance right off the bat. Because she's not under the head. Because God said, in his word, I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over a man. Let the women be in silence in the churches. And if they have anything to ask, let them ask at home. Ask their own husbands, God says. Let a woman be subject to her own husband in the Lord. As the body of Christ is supposed to be subject to the church. You get a woman in the pulpit, pastoring the church, you probably got a witch. She's out from under the authority of Christ. If she's not a witch yet, she's studying to be one. Her feet abide not in her own house, the Bible says, of the wicked woman. I know you feminists out there, you hate that, but tough. The Bible says it. The Bible says it. There is sorcery in the church. Now you laugh at wizards. You laugh at witches. You dress your little kitties up like wizards and witches out there every Halloween. You buy movies and books full of their charms, full of the, and fill your house with games and stories of wizards and witches. You'll watch everything that comes out full of magic, full of witchcraft. That's foolishness. You're dabbling with sorcery. If you play with fire, you're going to get burned. And let me tell you something, sorcery is a lot hotter than fire. And it sticks a lot longer. And it burns a lot deeper. You'd be better off handing your kids a can of gasoline and a box of matches than Harry Potter or Star Wars or any of that other junk Disney puts out full of its little fairy godmothers. I'm sick of it. It's spoiling our people. God have mercy on us today. The devil has the church convinced wizards and witches are a thing of mythology. But our country is overrun with them. You don't have to go to Africa to find wizards and riches. They are ravening in our churches. And they go mostly by apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. We've just changed the name. Oh, let's see. The church of Jesus Christ didn't like wizards. Ask Salem. Ask the Puritans. All you God-haters that hate the fact that the Puritans tried to burn witches. I'm not saying it was necessarily right, but they sure had one thing right. Witches are of the devil. And they sure hated Satan and all of his work. I'm not saying everything they did was right. I haven't even really studied deep into it. But I'll tell you this. I don't trust modern reformed history either these guys writing the history books are all wizards and witches these days now the wizards and the sorcerers of this of the old world cloistered themselves away with their dark books of witchcraft they put bones and skeletons and all kinds of emblems and and tokens of witchcraft all around them and they fasted and prayed to evil spirits for their powers and they got powers Well, American Christianity was strong enough that that was a no-fly zone for many years. It's coming back strong now. You've let it in your home, Christians, and now your little darling sons and daughters are running around as witches and wizards. Listen, I love you enough to tell you. I've felt the power of that junk in my own life. I've let that junk in my life before, and by God's grace, I got it out, and I exhort you. And beseech you to get it out of your home today. The old wizards and witches are always shown with long noses. And the witches with tall hats. And the wizards with big long beards and flowing robes. And weird curly cue staffs with shining light power coming out of the end of their sticks. Simon tried was a wizard. Simon tried to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. Because he'd lost his power. When the power of the Holy Spirit came on the scene, it was more obviously wonderful and powerful than the fearsome, dark, grisly wizardry that people were used to. I've got Irish roots. My Druid ancestors were vile and cruel cruel and wicked. Whether my ancestors were Druids or just servants of the Druids, I don't know. But it was a cruel and it was a horrible religion and people got away from it. So all the Simons of the world, suddenly, in all the places where Christ is named, are finding themselves out of a job. So what does old Simon do? He goes over to try and buy the Holy Spirit. Now, how does he buy the Holy Spirit? Well, he might go to a special school that teaches him how to get full of the Holy Ghost and fast and pray and seek for power And signs and wonders out from under the authority and headship of Christ. I wish I could remember some of the names of our wizard schools in America today. I wish I could remember. Oh God, I can't remember it. Help me, Lord. Let me say what you want me to say and nothing else. They'll show up at their school and they'll fast and they'll pray and they'll read the Bible and a whole bunch of other books looking for dark sayings, looking for sentences, looking for a way by which they can have the power of the Holy Spirit without submitting to the headship and authority of Christ through repentance of their sins and belief of the gospel. And guess what they get? They get spiritual wickedness in high places, and they are wizards. And then they get called apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, so-and-so, and a bunch of other wizards and witches, lay their hands on them and send them out. And they say, come and watch us heal people. Come on and hear your fortune. I'm a prophet of God. A man who usurps Christ as the head while wielding spiritual power is a wizard. A man who can convince an entire Bible revision committee to remove the blood of Christ from multiple places in the Bible is a wizard. And I'm talking about Westcott and Hart who fed us all the modern perversions of the Scripture took and twisted the old King James Bible, threw it in the trash, and fed a nation, a false Bible, where the blood had been taken out. Let me tell you today, the first way that that wizards get into a church is by getting the Bible out and putting their wizard books in there. False Bibles by wizards all over the church of the Gentile world. Fake Bibles. False Apostles. Steal the place in the worship of Christ. Stand as if they are Christ, receiving the worship and the veneration and the respect of so-called Christians in the name of Christ. They are wizards! Their power is real. It comes from spiritual wickedness in high places. The Bible talks about wizards that peep and mutter. And they get up there and they put on a show. And they tell you they're speaking in tongues. And it's nothing like the tongues in the Bible. And they're out from under the head of the church, Jesus Christ. Operating under the power of spiritual wickedness in high places. The Pope is a wizard. He's out from under the headship of Christ. He wields spiritual authority. He denies the work of Jesus Christ in salvation. He mixes, he mingles a perverse spirit with the word of God. Benny Hinn and all his group and a whole bunch more like them are just some examples of modern wizards who are deceiving the masses in the name of Jesus Christ. They're followed by covens of charismatic and Pentecostal witches. Oh, and don't you think that you can escape you fundamentalists and Baptists and Calvinists and the rest of you out there, Presbyterians, Methodists, Episcopalians, Anglicans, Church of Christ. And if I missed any of you, I meant to get you in that list. They're in the midst. The church has let Egypt into the world. Go to Isaiah 19. And because the church brought the world into the church, the church has brought with it the idols of the world, the charmers of the world, the familiar spirits of the world, and the wizards of the world, and they sit in our pews, and they preach from our pulpits, and they write our books, and they do radio and podcast broadcasts. And our people listen to them and suck it up. Every day. They do not hold the head. Christ. They're not under Christ. They're not submitted to Jesus Christ. Who said ye shall know them by their fruits. Isaiah 19 and verse 14. The Lord hath mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof. And we will be done here. We're going to wrap it up here real quick. The Lord hath mingled a perverse spirit in the midst thereof. This is how God keeps you from being utterly deceived. If it wasn't for this, you and I would have no real way of being able to definitively say, that's a wizard, that's a witch, get away. That's sorcery, get away. But God mingled a perverse spirit in the midst. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus said, you shall know them by their fruits. Any man, Who has great spiritual power, but lives in wicked sin and maintains and in fact possibly grows in spiritual power and influence in spite of. And in fact, helped by his sin is a wizard. He's a wizard. He shall know them by their fruits. If any man say, I know him and keep not his commandments, he is a liar. And the truth is not in him. You're not just dabbling with some person with a different idea about the Bible when you dabble with this group. You're dabbling with spiritual wickedness in high places. Now the answer there, I'll let you study it out for yourself. I told you we'll close and we'll close. Ephesians 6 gives us the whole armor of God. Whereby we may stand in the evil day. You're the call to the Christians today from Colossians, where we've been, 2.18. Beware, beware, lest any man spoil you. Beware, lest any man beguile you. Of your reward in a voluntary humility. Bring you under something other than the authority and headship of Christ. And worshiping of angels. Looking for the paranormal. For signs and wonders. And goosebumps and feelings and encounters. And all these kinds of things that they say. Emotions to be fluffed up. Intruding into those things which he hath not seen. Things that are outside the realm of scripture. You have to go to other books to get it. It's not in the Bible. It's beyond. It's extra biblical. It says, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. The vanity and pride of the fleshly mind will beguile you of your reward. They'll bring you under the control of principalities, of powers, of the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. Verse 19, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God.